Hello ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are looking at 1 Timothy, which is one of three pastoral letters from Paul. Two letters went to Timothy and one to Titus. Timothy was a co-worker with Paul, whom he called his son in the faith. Timothy was from Lystra, southern Turkey, Acts 16, verse 1. And Paul and Barnabas had gone there on their first missionary journey, which was recorded in Acts chapter 14. This was the place where Paul was stoned. It could be that at that time, Timothy's mother and grandmother, who were Jews, became Christian, and possibly even Timothy, as a young man, became a Christian. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Timothy joined Paul and Silas on the second missionary journey, but since his father was Greek, he had not been circumcised, and since a large part of their ministry was to go to the Jews first in order to share that Jesus was the Christ or the Messiah of the Jewish faith, he became circumcised, so that would not hinder his ministry to the Jews. Acts chapter 16 verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3 reads, I urged you upon my departure for Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus. Now the common belief is that Paul was acquitted from Rome in AD 63. And when released from house arrest, he returned to Greece and Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. He wrote 1 Timothy while in Macedonia around A.D. 63. Then he wrote Titus, possibly while at Corinth around A.D. 63 to 66. We find that in Titus chapter 1 verse 5 and then chapter 3 verse 12. In A.D. 64, Rome was burned to the ground. It was thought that Emperor Nero had done it to rebuild Rome, but he blamed the Christians for the fire. From this point, the Romans no longer were favorable toward Christians, and in A.D. 66-67, Paul was arrested again, but this time not from the Jews, but the Romans, and this time he was not under house arrest, but in a Roman dungeon. It was here that Paul wrote his last known letter to Timothy. Paul was then executed around A.D. 66 or 67 by the Romans. So Paul was in Macedonia while writing this letter to Timothy, who was in Ephesus with a date around 62 to 64 A.D., The purpose of this letter was to encourage and direct Timothy with his ministry. Now let's look at the scriptures themselves. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As Imbaugh said, Paul is not trying to manifest his ministry over against Timothy, but to assure his follower in the ministry that the deposit he is passing on to him 
is the genuine, divinely originated faith, not the fabrication of the false teachers of whom he is about to warn him. One thing that is different in this greeting is the addition of mercy, according to Ralph Earl in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Hebrew Old Testament, the term is hesed, God's steadfast love or his loving kindness. In verses 3 through 7, Paul encouraged Timothy to address with love certain people who were teaching other doctrines, myths, and genealogies. In verses 8 through 11, Paul speaks of the law of God as good as long as it's used correctly and that it is used to show the lawless, rebellious, ungodly, sinful, unholy, and irreverent people their sin. These are issues of the heart. And then he goes into the actions that come from that heart, such as killing parents, murders, sexual immorality, kidnappers, liars, perjurers, and anything else that is contrary to sound teaching, which is based on the glorious gospel of the blessed God that was entrusted to Paul. Verses 12 through 16, Paul gives thanks to the Lord who strengthened and appointed Paul for ministry even though in his past life he blasphemed, persecuted, and was arrogant. Then verse 13b, Paul said, Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Here Paul explained one of the reasons why God spoke to him with the bright light and blinded him. He was trying to serve God, but he was ignorant in the truth, and the Lord Jesus brought him into the light. After that, Paul received mercy, grace, faith, and love. Verse 15, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. Again, in verse 16, we see the word mercy. Because Paul was the worst, Christ Jesus poured out his utmost patience to him as an example to those who would believe. In other words, if God can save me, he can save anyone. Now Paul burst into doxology or praise of God. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Which means so be it in Hebrew. That's verse 17. Chapter 1 ends with a word to Timothy. Paul's child, to keep with the prophecies that were made about him so that he can be strong in battle with faith and a good conscience. Paul then listed two men, Hemenaeus and Alexander, whom Paul had given over to Satan so that they would learn not to blaspheme. Any time there is church discipline, it should be done with the hopes to reconcile and not to banish. Chapter 2 begins with an urgent call to prayer. Throughout this letter, we see the urgency of Paul with these issues. And one of them is prayer in various forms, such as intercessions, praying for others, thanksgiving for everyone, including kings and those in authority, so that we may live a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Verse 2. Prayer pleases the Lord. And then verse 4, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
Here the Bible is clear that God does not delight when people go to hell. His desire is for all to be saved, but not all will be because of human responsibility. Eglin Henson said, God's desire for the salvation of all rebukes bigotry in any form. Then in verses 5 and 6, Paul declared there is one God. This is called monotheistic, which both Jews and Christians are. And there is one mediator between God and man, who is a man, Jesus Christ, who, by the way, is also God, who gave himself a ransom for all, a testimony at the right time. This is what Paul's message is all about. Therefore, because Christ is our mediator, then men are to pray and lift up holy hands without anger or argument. Likewise, women are to dress modestly and learn in stillness and full submission. Keep in mind that during this time, Paul is affirming that women can learn, which is huge in the Jewish mindset. Also, another point to make is when there is a difficult passage like this, we need to compare all of scripture on this issue. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians eleven five that women can pray and prophesy in church. We also know that Priscilla helped to teach Apollos in Acts chapter 18, verses 24 and 28. And Timothy himself was taught by his godly mother and grandmother. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5 and chapter 3 verse 15. Paul then goes into a creation story of how Adam was created first and then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. Ladies, keep in mind that Adam was not deceived. That means when he ate of the fruit, he knew exactly what he was doing. This is why the Bible says that in Adam we have all sinned. And then in the last Adam, we will have life. That last Adam is Jesus Christ. Then the passage said that she will be saved through childbearing if she continues in faith, love, and holiness with good sense. Also, keep in mind that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God promised to the serpent that through the woman's seed that he will be crushed. That is why it's so important that Mary was a virgin. Jesus was born of the woman's seed, not the man's. That was how he could be sinless and yet human. Chapter 3 gives directions on how to pick overseers or pastors and then deacons. Just a few things to point out about how people interpret some of these passages, such as to be the husband of one wife in verse 2 and in verse 12. This could mean not to be a polygamist or to marry one person at a time, meaning that it would be okay if they were divorced or married only once or he must be married or not homosexual. One verse that seems clear is verses 4a and 5. They should be one who manages his own household competently. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? There is a warning to make sure that the leaders are not new Christians because they could easily fall into sin. S.M. Baugh said, 
Paul's statement about qualification for church office show a much different set of requirements than pagan priesthoods. It's not wealth or nobility of birth that qualified one to Christian ministry, but a divine call as evident in part by a high moral character. Another verse I want to point out is verse 11. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Ba said the key word in the Greek text is gynekis, where we get the word gynecology, which is the ordinary word for either woman or in many contexts, wives. And we must ask why deacons' wives have to be respectable, temperate, etc., but the wives of overseers go unmentioned? This leads to the second view of deaconesses. There are three thoughts. One, wives, but there is no Greek word for their wives. Two, women in general. And three, deaconesses. Romans chapter 16 verse 1 names Phoebe as a deaconess. Chapter 3 ends with Paul saying he hopes to come soon, but we never know if he does. And then he said, if he's delayed, then Timothy will know how people in the church ought to act. Since the church is God's household, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Verse 16 seems to be a song, which goes like this. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh, Christ incarnation, was justified in the spirit, his resurrection, seen by angels, his ascension, proclaimed among the nations, including the Gentiles, believed on in the world, people responding to the gospel, and taken up in glory, Christ's final victory. Chapter 4, Paul talks about those who depart from the faith, and that this is a sign of the latter days. Such actions include following deceitful spirits or demons, hypocrisy and lying, forbidding good things like marriage and food, and he encouraged Timothy to point these things out. Timothy was to avoid irreverent and silly myths, but seek godliness. Verse 12, no one should despise your youth. Instead, you should be an example to the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Malcolm Old Talbert said, anyone under the age of 40 could be considered a youth. Timothy was possibly around 30 at this time. Ralph Earl said, carelessness in any one of these areas can spell failure and even disaster. Paul urged Timothy to give attention to public reading of the Old Testament scriptures, preaching and teaching. He is not to neglect the gift given to him. He is to practice and commit to these things so that his progress will be noticed by all. Verse 16, be conscientious about yourself and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for by doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Chapter 5, continued instruction for Timothy. He is to respect his elders, support widows, then Paul explained what a true widow was, which was an older woman who truly was alone without family. Then Paul said that elders who are also good leaders should be compensated for their work of preaching and teaching. 
there was direction that if accusations come to not just let it be one person, but to make sure that there was at least two or three witnesses. And then he can publicly rebuke sin with the hope that it will cause others to be fearful to sin. Then beginning in verse 21, Paul charged Timothy to not be prejudiced or show favoritism to not ordain others quickly, and to keep himself pure. He was not just to drink water, but also wine to help his illnesses. Verses 24 and 25, Some people's sins are evident, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others follow them. Likewise, good works are obvious, and those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden. In other words, we reap what we sow. In chapter 6, Paul addressed slaves and masters, and both should be respectful. Again, Paul warned against false teachers. Verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. He continued and reminded Timothy that he brought nothing into this world and he can take nothing out of it. So if he has food and clothing, then that's enough. The desire to be rich is a trap which many fall into. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Timothy, who was a man of God, must run from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Timothy was to fight the good fight for the faith. Verse 12a, until Christ's appearing, which God will bring about in his own time, verse 15a. Verses 15b and 16 is a doxology, a praise of God. He is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the only one who has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom none of mankind has seen or can see, to whom be honor and eternal might. Amen. There is one last warning against those who cling to riches. Instead, they are to be generous and willing to share. So they store up riches in heaven. The last two verses. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding irreverent, empty speech and contradictions from the knowledge that falsely bears that name. By professing it, some have deviated from the faith. Grace be with all of you. E. Glenn Henson said, The plural you is not a slip of a later hand, though some scribes changed it to the singular, but indicates a public reading. So ladies, let me ask you, are you neglecting the gift given to you or are you using your gift for the glory of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? Today, if you have heard his voice, please don't harden your heart. Instead, let's be women who pray for all people and obey his voice. Until next time, and thank you so very much for listening.